Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bow Down Podcast. And our next guest stepping into the Bow Down Podcast is a 2015 inductee into the College Football Hall of Fame for his time spent at Washington playing under the tutelage of the great Don James, a member of that 1991 national championship team. This man is a two-time Morris Trophy Award winner, third-team All-American in 91, and unanimous All-American in 1992. A 93 first-round draft pick, ninth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. He spent two years in Atlanta before being traded to the Raiders, where he'd go on to become a one-time first one-time first team all pro, one-time second team all pro, and three-time pro bowler. Since entering the broadcasting world, he's worked with Fox Sports Radio, Raider Nation Radio, Compass Media Networks covering the Raiders alongside Brett Musburger, and has even been a track reporter for NASCAR. As a former offensive lineman myself, this may be the most excited I've been to have a guest on the podcast this year. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln, welcome to the Bow Down Podcast, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Really appreciate it being here with you guys. And after that long, lengthy list of, uh, of awards, I need to go check my closet to make sure I have all my, my banners and my ribbons and everything all lined up. So <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Lincoln, I want to dive a little bit into these, this Washington Huskies program, what has occurred in the last few days with the program what happened in this last fantastic season, and what the future may look like. Um, I want your thoughts first and foremost on this past season before all this shakeup that occurred with the departure of Kalen DeBoer for Alabama, a vast array of players, whether it's NFL draft or declaring um, for the transfer portal. 14-1 season, Pac-12 champs, the last Pac-12 champs ever, uh, college football playoff participant, Sugar Bowl victory over Texas, runner-up of the national championship to the Michigan Wolverines. One, if not the most successful season since that 91 championship team you were a part of. Overall thoughts on the season? Did you get to watch a bunch? Did you head back to Seattle for any games this year? Let me know what you're thinking. Okay, well, that's a mouthful, so let's start with the basics. Um, I'm very impressed with the way the Huskies finished this season. Well, actually, had the season. I, coming into it, I didn't expect them to have the success they had, but once they got started and they started beating some teams, I definitely took notice. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, to cover any games or to, to go to any games. I also worked for the Pac-12 Network calling college football games, so I was busy a lot of the Saturdays. The dogs were busy, so I didn't get a chance to see them in person. Uh, the last time I actually saw them in person in Seattle – was when I covered the spring game in in in, in, uh, in April, but for the most part, really uh, really pleased with the dogs' performance. Uh, you know, the thing is, Joe, when you look at the second half of the season, um, there was I was really worried when I saw the ASU game because I covered the dogs playing ASU and Tempe down here where I live in Phoenix last year, and they should not have lost that game, but they did. Uh, and so they found out that ASU kind of had a little bit of a a thorn in the dog's side, if you will, on how to get to them and how to get with them. And they made that game as close as humanly possible. If they would have had a kicking game, they would probably kick the field goal and seal it rather than trying to put it up in the air. And that was a pick six, which was a you know devising factor in the game, deciding factor in the game. But with that being said, you know when you look at, I've always always been impressed when you can beat Oregon, uh, when the dogs can can uh, can control the Pacific Northwest because that's that was a sense of normalcy for me back in my days at Washington. 
so much has changed in the current climate of college sports. I'm impressed with the fact that dogs are able to get that far. Uh, most notably, going down to Texas, I mean, going down to Sugar Bowl in New Orleans and playing a, a good Texas, who they beat last year in the Alamo Bowl when I was present at that game, um, you know, was very impressive too because it's not necessarily um, a home field site or, a, a, you know, advantage site for the dogs down there. It was more Texas fans than probably yeah. new dogs fans there were. But the fact that the dogs were able to be in the playoff uh, like they were in 2016, they couldn't get it done against Alabama then, so they were eliminated. This time they played Michigan in championship and just, you know, when it comes down to it, they just – Michigan had the better day, had the better day. The dogs couldn't stop the run, couldn't get off the field, and more importantly, couldn't get their offense to click uh, due to the pressure and other circumstances. But it is what it is. After all, it's a tremendous season. It's hard to win on any level. So it, it's, it's really unfair for anybody to look down their nose and shake their head at a 14-1 season. That just right. you know, Especially in college sports when it doesn't happen. But with that being said, really, really impressed with the job that Kalen DeBoer had done. You know, prior to his departure, no one could have ever expected that you would win. You don't lose two games in two seasons and, and be in the position they were, or three games, I should say, now the, the national championship. So uh, it, it's still a remarkable record for the dogs and extremely happy. Um, as far as, you know, what's going on currently with the, the, the week, look, I know a lot of fellow alumni are upset about the move of Kalen DeBoer, the departure, but if I had their ear, and I'll use your podcast to transfer my, my point, the fact is, is that there are dream jobs on every level, dream jobs. And when it comes to it, it's probably down to the high school, but most notably on the college level. When you talk about college football these days, there are blue bloods that cannot be ignored. Notre Dame, Texas, SC, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. These are blue bloods that you don't escape from. And, and, and so Kalen DeBoer had a wonderful opportunity, a well-deserved rise to notoriety and attention, and he deserved that Alabama job. I know a lot of my fellow alumni and a lot of Husky fans are sad to see him go and probably upset, but that's the way of college sports. I mean, and, and you have it with the transfer portal. There's no difference from coaches leaving, coming and going, leaving any other time prior to the transfer portal. It is what it is. So, you know, I wish Kalen the utmost success. I have nothing but love for him. He's a good man. Had many times to sit down and chat with him. I thought he had a good heart, a good soul. And I really thought he was going to build something for Washington. But I understand when a job like this comes calling, you can't really ignore it. Look, for the for example, the same thing happened to Sark when he was at Washington. SC came available. He went to SC. It's, it's a no-brainer, people. So, you know, I, I don't want people to think that, you know, all bad about what Sark and his, his, some of his staff has done. It's an opportunity you really can't pass up. So I'm, I'm really impressed with the job that uh, Kalen DeBar, uh, I'm sorry, Kalen DeBoer has done. And more importantly, I'm really uh, impressed with the, the way that we've had some, some phenomenal games over the last couple of years. Absolutely. And one thing that brought those phenomenal games to fruition is this offensive line, something that you know a lot about, Lincoln. Um, 2023 Joe Moore, Joe Moore Award winners as the best college offensive line unit, number five in the nation for fewest sacks, only 11 in 13 regular season games. 162 yards per game rushing, led the nation in passing offense. What does a group award like this mean to the big guys who are battling play after play in the trenches over and over again? Offensive linemen don't get a lot of notoriety. The only time we get exposed and get called on is probably when we're holding or unless an announcer like myself feels uh, you know comfortable enough in the, in the booth to, 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 to announce the, the blocking schemes that were going on and why they were successful. But – 
uh, and try to explain it to the listeners or the people who are watching. So the thing is that when you have an award like this, and I had never heard of that award until you mentioned it, it is it's something that you really can hang your hat on and something to be proud of. It takes a long time for an offensive line to gel as a unit and to come together. You can have many spectacular individuals, but for them to perform as a complete line or one unit, it takes a long time. And, and you know, you credit the coaching staff, you credit the offensive line coach in Washington, you credit all the guys and all the people that came and made this possible. But more importantly, you know, when it comes to some of those intangibles like sacks, um, you know, that's, a, that's an all effort. That's not just the offensive line. Quarterback getting rid of the football, receivers getting open uh, and making catches. The one that you really do hang your hat on and feel great about is the run game. Average yards per game running the football because that is a true staple of toughness and that will define you. Uh, there's been many a times I felt comfortable enough on a game to where, you know, we can come to the line of scrimmage and announce where we're running the football. You have no way of stopping it because we're just that comfortable or that good. So, you know, that, that is the war that in itself is highly recognized. Um, you mentioned before you're in the Arizona area. You cover the Pac-12 or yeah. what was the, the Pac-12. Yeah. New coach Jed Fish brings some tenacity from Arizona coming off his best season with the Wildcats going 10-3 and and a big win over Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Year one in the Big Ten Conference and a ton of question marks across the board. But I want to know your thoughts on the overall health of the program, the direction of the program, and what we can expect from Jed Fish and the continuing long list of coaches that he seems to be bringing with him from the Arizona program. Well, I will say this. I'm, I'm pleased with the hire of Jed Fish. I thought he was a good candidate. But I thought a lot of the candidates, candidates that I had seen in the pipeline I thought would be good. The thing is, what I want, what I'm hoping for for UW is I'm hoping to have a program builder. You had it with Don James. I had the pleasure of playing for him. And, and may he rest in peace. The dogs had it with Chris Peterson. He was able to build something. And then it was a little bit of a transition. It's kind of hard to predict, honestly, Joe, where the program is because there are so many intangibles, not only about the coaching staff, but just the transfer portal. But I, And you can honestly say that about anybody in college sports. The transfer portal is so grand and so great, number of guys, uh, players, that when you go to it, you'll have a lot of rosters, like I've seen over the last couple of years, that are trying to build their roster through the transfer portal. So it's hard to predict and project where a program is going to be. Look, when you think about it, who gets more attention in the in out West than Oregon? No one. You might not want that attention. You know, Dan Lanning has, has had, has a good program, nice, strong program, and they've done well for themselves. They haven't been able to get over the hump, but they've had, they've had some good players. And the, the, you know, almost had a Heisman trophy winner themselves uh, this year, Bo Nix and a tremendous quarterback that's going to play well on the next level. But other than that, there hasn't been a lot of headlines out of the West. And so for the, for the dogs, it's going to be difficult to project what's coming in forward because you, you're, you, you know, excuse me for dropping the camera. You're going to have those, um, you're going to have those kids that want that vision of grandeur, want to know how many times they're going to be on TV, want to know if they're going to play or not. And Jed Fish has to come in, not only create a staff, but he has to try to finish recruiting. You've had a lot of guys that de decommitted. You got to try to pick up and you got to try to figure out where your roster is before you know, you get into February because you need, now you need to, uh, uh, you know, attack the, the transfer portal and try to get some players in to make sure you have enough to suit up on the, side, uh, on the field on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln, I want to take a stroll down memory lane. Want to know what some of your best playing moments, your best memories are as a member of this Huskies program in your time at Seattle. 
as a member of the 91 championship team, any good Don James stories you want to share? Well, I tell you what, um, you're trying to go back more than 30 years. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of things with that. And I was an offensive lineman, so I hit my head a lot, on the, on the, <laughs> a lot of times. But I will say this. Um, Don James was, was a great man to me because he was a man of integrity. And I'll tell a real quick story. When I was being recruited um, to, to, to go to college, in high school, I played both ways. My idol growing up was Ed Tutal Jones, defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, defensive end. And he wore number 72. That's why I wore number 72. And so when I went and was being recruited by colleges, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of attention that I was getting that I asked the colleges that were seriously about recruiting me to allow me to play defense. And there were only a few. Those are the ones that I finalized my visits to uh, that, would, that said, okay, you can play defense. Don James, the University of Washington, was one of them. So my, my freshman year, it was myself, Steve Edmond, and Mike Lustig. We were the defensive linemen that were brought in, okay? That first year, 1988, was my redshirt year. We went, I don't think we, I think we went six and five. Long story short, we did not go to bowl game. We broke that bowl streak that we had had prior to that because I think the, bowl, the year before, the, the, uh, the dogs had went to the Independence Bowl. So to fast forward the story, we don't go anywhere. Don James calls a team meeting, and he says, we're going to change things. We're going to change the offense. We're going to change the defense. We're going to be different the coming years. So get ready. So uh, shortly thereafter, I had a one-on-one meeting with Coach James. Coach called me in his office. Now, mind you, he was, you know, I'm six foot seven, 340 pounds when I'm playing there. And Don James is probably half my size. He's probably five foot nothing, you know, 100 nothing pounds. But because he was, but he's probably the most intimidating man I had ever seen. Not necessarily his stature, just in, you know, his overall charisma and presence. That was something he had to be aware of. So long story short, I'm going in his office, and right now my knees are shaking because I'm worried about what coach is going to tell me. Um, did I miss a class? Am I in trouble? No one ever gets called to Don James's office as, as a young man, and it's not good. So we fast forward to the conversation. Coach James tells me that he's going to change uh, the offense and the defense. And he, he announces to me, he's like, we brought you in as the defensive lineman. You can stay on defense, but I don't know how much you're going to play in this new system. Or you can move over to, the, over to offense. And I said, okay, uh, let me think about it. So I went home that night, and I went back to my dorm room, and I called my high school coach, who was my mentor, John Shacklett. And I said, coach, I said, they want me to move to offense. And he's like, if you move to offense, one day you'll be an All-American, and eventually you'll be an All-Pro. That's what he told me. So the next day I went back and I told Coach James and I asked him, I said, are you serious about leaving me on defense if I really want to play there? He's like, absolutely. I told you that I would recruit you as a defensive player. We'll leave you on defense if that's what you want. We want to know what you want. We want you to be happy. And so with that, I made the choice to switch over offense and obviously the rest is history. But I just appreciate Coach James for giving me that talk because, you know, uh, knowing what I know now, what I didn't know back then, they control you. They can do whatever they want with you. They've got you 24 day, hours a day seven days a week. So they have the factor of whether or not they want to do something with you or wherever they want to put you. It's up to them. But the fact that he came to me man to man and he approached me and he said, this is your decision. I really appreciate that. And I, I really stand up for that fact, that one story that we had together. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, over the last few weeks, we've had Mario Bailey on, Corey right. Dillon, Isaiah Stanback, uh, Kevin Gogan has joined us on the podcast. The Gogan. <laughs> We've asked them all the same question, so I'm not going to leave you out of the loop. I would love for you to give me 
your Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen who've played at UW. Oh, man. Jeez, I don't <laughs> – I'll practice well, it I'll by saying – yeah, I'll to be fair, it's, it's, everybody's included themselves in their yeah. Mount Rushmore's. I mean, I I'm not I'm not one who's going to sit here and brag and boast about my accolades, and my accomplishments. I I don't I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, to be honest with you, I'm just proud that I was able to be a part of a great tradition, uh, honestly. And I was so proud to be a part of a team that had so much success. You know, it's really hard. You know, I've played on a lot of professional teams. And I've had a lot of, you know, I've had my fair share of four and 12 or disappointing seasons, uh, you know, playing in the league. Um, but there was there was no greater reward than the camaraderie that was built um, over my years in Washington. Only, you know, only being eligible to play for four years. I had we had tremendous success going to beating uh, Florida in the Freedom Bowl in 1989, then going to three straight Rose Bowls. You know, I look back on my career, Joe, and I spent all my Christmases in Los Angeles. You know, even though I was in this school in Seattle. So I, I have nothing more to be proud of. And I had a lot, cross paths with a lot of great uh, fellow offensive linemen that day. It, it would be unfair I, without having everyone in front of me to go back in history and look at some of the, you know, the, the names that have played UW football. It would be unfair for me to, to, to really do that justice, that question justice. Right. Listen, I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty. Um, Lincoln, post-playing career, you've popped up in various locations radio, television, doing color commentary, play-by-play. You even did some NASCAR, too. For those in Husky Nation who haven't been able to keep up with the life of Lincoln Kennedy, what are you up to now, and where can our listeners tune in to hear you regularly? Well, it's again, it's in limbo because of the change, changes that are going on college football. But um, you know, now the Pac- Pac-12 is dissolved. I don't know if I'll be calling any Big Ten games or any other college games in the future. I'll have to wait and see for that. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I did throw my name in the hat. I do. I still do all of the Raiders games on the Raiders radio network. Uh, so I'm a color commentator along with Jason Horowitz, who's my play-by-play. We are the voice of the Raiders on the radio. I own a couple of restaurants. I own one here in Phoenix. I own one in Vegas. Working on a couple of more. A couple more. Um, I used to have a cigar line, but I discontinued that to COVID due to expenses. So um, I hopefully get back into that. But other than that, you know, I'm just living life after I hang up my cleats. I'm raising two sons. Both are in high school. One's a senior graduating this year, and one's a freshman up and coming. So um, just raising my boys, uh, taking care of my, myself, to try to make sure I'm upright and, and try to live as long as happily after football as I can. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Lincoln, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Anything else you want to plug on the way out before we uh, end this interview? No, I just tell Husky fans, you got to be patient. It might be a little bit of a transition going on with the Jetish area, but era. But the thing is, is that the dogs are resilient and people love Seattle. University of Washington is a wonderful university. And, uh, and I can honestly see them getting back on track sooner rather than later. Lincoln, I truly appreciate the time, my friend. It was a pleasure and an honor talking to you today. Pleasure is mine, Joe. Be well. Talk to you soon. You too now. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.